And that's, so that's another thing that we do try to tap in. So if someone asks me, well, so why should I use FreeBSD over Linux? Which is a great question because everyone's heard of Linux. Everyone's using or playing around with Linux and you, know, you find a handful of folks you know, using and playing around with FreeBSD. And, um, and so I have a whole list that when I give a presentation or when we write articles that will list these things. And, and the thing, I, I remember a few years ago, someone asked me, I was like, and so, you know, you're like, well, yeah, what's, what should I say? Because you have all these things in your head that you know why you think it's better. But to me, community stands out and it's the community. And when you pick an open source project, you look at, well, what is the pro what's the technology they're working on? And am I interested in that? But the other thing you look at, too, is the, this community because you're going to be part of it. I mean, you're doing this as a volunteer you know, most, most of the time. And so you're using your free time to work on this. So you want to enjoy it too. And so when I look at the community and it's, you know, is it perfect? No, but it's, I feel it's really inclusive. It's welcoming. When you look at the mailing list, you look at the Facebook group for new users. It's people are really helpful. They just want to help. They want to answer your question. Um, and so I see a lot of support there. Is it easy to get it? You know, it's like any other open source project. You have to make the effort too. You have to ask a question. You have to go to the right mailing list or forum or Facebook group or Twitter. But people in the community are willing to step in and help. And when we have conferences, um, you know, when we used to be in person, it was, yeah, you know, there was connection there and, and almost like family. And it still is right now. I mean, you know, when you look at, the conversations going on. So with me on the show today is Deb Goodkin. Deb is the executive director at the FreeBSD Foundation. Deb, thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Well, thanks for inviting me. So when you were younger, do you remember always being interested in kind of science and technology and computers, or was this something that you kind of evolved an appreciation for, evolved an appreciation for and grew to enjoy later in your life, whether that was high school or university? So I really wasn't introduced to technology or computers until I was in college. So when I was growing up, uh, we didn't have computers at home. Um, I did have older brothers, and so we all did things together like we built things. I was I love to build things. And so and my brothers and I would do that. And but was when I was in college and I had to pick a major, I really wasn't sure what to do. But I did know I wanted to travel like around the world and I wanted to be able to live anywhere that I wanted and be able to support myself. And my mom would always tell me how she was really good at math. And so I always believed that I was good in math because of my mom. <laughs> so I don't really know if she really was, but she was really smart. And uh, so I decided to uh, major in computer engineering because uh, what I understood was you could easily get a job in working with computers, you know, it, it, any, anywhere around. The, um, the U.S. at least, that's as far as I was thinking. And so, um, so yeah, I, I chose my 
degree in computer engineering, and I chose engineering over computer science because that was also a choice, just because it integrated the um, electrical engineering aspect into that. And um, and so I wanted to understand like the foundation of computers, and so that was where um, yeah I just started uh, learning more about tech and engineering. And actually, when I, I joined IBM, when I was first starting out, and none of us really knew what we wanted to do. And it, we were just looking for jobs. And we all had great opportunities. And so I chose a job with IBM. And then everyone who started, when I started, everyone was getting their master's degree. So I went ahead and got my master's in electrical engineering. And so it was really cool being a student but also having a full-time job and a full-time income. And so I wasn't a poor student anymore. So it was actually sort of cool. Yeah, not being a poor student would probably be fantastic. <laughs> so I'd say, so it wasn't easy, but it was, uh, it was a great opportunity. So uh, was IBM the first job you got out of university with your degree? It was, yes. Okay. And where did you move on from there? Um, you mean after IBM or what? Yes. Well, so I was in the storage industry, and so at IBM, uh, I was working on 14-inch disk drives, which is pretty amazing. I mean, it's not something you put on your desk. You actually had to go to the computer room, and you you never actually touched the device you were working on. Um, From there, I actually went to uh, Mac Store and and started to work on uh, five and a quarter inch disk drives there. And then I can't remember when we started moving into three and a half, but really jumped around Mac's door, uh, Connor Peripherals, Cirrus Logic, and companies, everything that was involved with uh, with storage. Okay. So at what point did you come in contact with the idea of open source? So I never heard of open source until I interviewed for this job. (laughs) (laughs) which is just so odd because everything I did was proprietary. And um, so, and it was so low level. So I was a firmware engineer at starting out at IBM, going through all these different companies, um, also doing a little bit of applications engineering too. And um, so I was looking for a job and um, this job was available and basically I really didn't know much about it except for my friend was in HR and Justin Gibbs, who's the founder of the foundation, wanted to hand off like day-to-day responsibilities to someone and he went to my friend and said, so how do I go about looking for someone to bring on? And, um, And she said, so she gave him advice, but she also said, well, by the way, I have a friend who's looking for work. <laughs> and so Justin and I had lunch, and that was it. <laughs> so that was a while ago. But do you recall kind of your first thoughts when you were trying to get wrap your head around the open source concept idea? Because obviously, if you came from firmware development and engineering, obviously, that's very closed in nature. That's not the kind of thing where people are just, yeah, here you go. Have access to see how everything works. Did you find the idea of everything being open and freely available different? To me, the I mean, whether it was open source or not, the being software was new to me because coming from firmware, firmware is sort of is between software and hardware, right? You're writing code that actually controls the hardware. And so I was, I was more low-level or hardware-oriented. 
so really it was um, jumping into the software world. And, um, and so it was overwhelming because not only was I jumping, I was jumping into an area that I wasn't familiar with. And um, I was jumping into a position that I also wasn't familiar with. <laughs> I didn't really have the experience with of running the foundation. And so, I mean, what's really funny about that was Justin brought me on because for two reasons. And one was uh, because of my engineering background and he really wanted someone who could do some project management to, uh, to start with because we were um, you know, overseeing some projects. And so he thought uh, that would be a good job for me starting out. The other thing he thought as a mom, he thought I'd be really well organized. And so I never told him that yet, it doesn't mean you're or, you're an organized person. <laughs> no, but it does usually mean that you can handle a, a lot of things going on at once, which with a project, <laughs> you know, there is always the joke about, you know, herding cats. And I think that could also be, a, you know, similar to dealing with a bunch of children um, and all the things that they want to do. So as a mom, you do kind of get an experience with with dealing with uh, people that have their own minds and attitudes. Oh, that's true. So, I mean, so jumping in, it was, it really was a great opportunity because for me, I really like things that are challenging, but also interesting. And so I still find um, after how many years have I been with the foundation, 16 years, um, I'm still being challenged and I'm still learning. And so, and that's what keeps me going and keeps me interested in, in this role too. Yeah, I'm sure the, the task of, well, pretty much the task of everything, whether it's the actual engineering side or the, the project management side. Coming from, you know, that firmware background, obviously you're dealing with a single device or, you know, a family of devices that are going to use that firmware. And OS has a massive footprint. And now you have all these other things that are interacting with each other. I can see how that could be kind of daunting when you realize that the focus has to be so broad. It's very did you did you find that? I it, I found it very daunting because, like you said, it's not very system so massive. It has so much it has to do, and there's so many technologies out there that are interacting with the operating system. And I think that is what's overwhelming too. It's tech has grown so much since I was in school, and. Uh, you and you have all these acronyms and um, you know for all these technologies and sometimes we'll be sitting in a meeting and there's only only so many times you can ask like well what does that mean what does that mean and so sometimes I'll get out of a meeting and I'll ask my um, you know my senior um, technology director and uh, you know goes you know what was what was that that they were talking about and he was like I don't know you know and it and, and it actually confirms that. We can't know everything, and but also the beauty of the internet is that we can look it up and we can learn and and figure things out. But it's just it's so much to know, and um, and 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 so what we try to do really is um, make sure we're aware of what needs to be supported on FreeBSD, and um, and for me personally, since I go out and I give talks on FreeBSD and try to encourage people to get involved is that um, I try to delve into different aspects of it periodically. My goal when I first joined the company was I was going to write a driver. And because I thought, you know, I'll get back into programming 
and and do something but i it, it, there's just too much for me to do to to take on that i maybe someday i don't know <laughs> yeah you know we, we all have to have plans for for fun projects in the future since you've been with the foundation for 16 years Obviously, anyone can look at technology and see how much just technology in general has changed and how much the industry has evolved. Have the things that you are kind of what you take care of and what you focus on in your position, has there been much change in that from when you first started to now? Do you have more tasks? Are there mm -hmm. other things that you now have to take a part of because the project itself is bigger? Well, um, okay. So to answer that question, there is more technology. There's that we have to support. So there are more platforms that we need to and want to support, you know, like RISC-V and, and ARM. And um, so, and then there's, there's other features that we want to implement and support and add more, you know, security support. And so, especially like nowadays, security has become really visible now, right? And um, if we don't in school, at least for me, and, and, and this was many years ago, I mean, when we wrote programs, we didn't really think about security much. We didn't really have the internet back then. So you're connected to a mainframe. And, and so you, you thought about, you know, I want to write a program that runs, does something, you know, like an app now. And so, but now it's so different. Everything's connected to the internet. And so it's something that you always have to think about. And so that's something that has been added. Uh, to our plate. And we have folks on our team that are part of the security team um, who look at security. And, and so it's just a big component of what has been added to what we've been supporting. You know, there's other technologies out there that, I mean, things are always being developed. You think of containerization. And even though FreeBSD came up with jails many years ago, that things have evolved since then. And so making sure that we're staying on top of things and we have our version of containerization. When something comes up, when a new technology is developed or there, there's a, you know, a new platform that's starting to, to arise in popularity, how are the decisions made for the direction of the project with respect to those? I mean, let me see what, how else I can frame that. Like, okay, well, for example, with the risk or with the rise of like risk five, that's an entirely new platform. It's entirely new CPU architecture. Within the, the FreeBSD Foundation and within the FreeBSD project, now how would you describe the decisions being made and the discussions that are made on what to support and what to focus on? Because with technology growing so fast and manpower being limited, obviously there's a decision that has to be made of, yes, this is something we, we are definitely going to focus on. Is there any way you can kind of walk me through kind of the thought process of what goes on when those decisions are made? That's a really good question. So the project and the foundation are separate entities. So the beauty of the project is that people can work on anything that they want. So even though they have a core team, which is the governance of the, the project, and, and they have their ideas of what they would like to see supported, they can say it all they want. It doesn't mean that folks will step up and do that. And um, but they, but they still have influence. And, um, and so they can stand there and try to encourage folks to do that. So now where do they get their input? So one thing that we do as foundation is we do meet with uh, commercial users 
uh, potential commercial users, other organizations like universities, just entities that are out there that are using or want to use FreeBSD. And we're, and we talked to them about, you know, what are, what do you need? What's your application? Uh, what are your challenges if you are using FreeBSD? And the challenges are the big thing that we like to bring back to the project as well as to the core team. We have a board of directors who are in various areas of technology from working on Facebook to doing um, research at the University of Cambridge on security, um, folks dabbling in other areas or even just business in general. And we ask them too, you know, what are you seeing in market trends and get their input. And then what we do as the foundation is we, as a team, decide on what technologies we're going to support. So we, we can, we have software engineers on staff and we could, we have the, re, we, I mean, we have the resources to work on certain things. So we don't have a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. But we have identified areas that we believe are really important to the project. And so that's how we use funding uh, to fund our developers to work on these things. We have a roadmap and it's on our website. We wrote a blog post on it to explain um, how we came up with that, that plan. Um, it's also not written in stone. And so we, if we see something out there, um, we, you know, we, then we, we talk, we talk all the time. Should, is this something we should support? We also try to get input from the community and, um, and, and we have done surveys in the past too. So, so there's just various ways that we get the information um, on what's going on out there and make the decisions as, as best as we can. So you operate as kind of a, I don't know if go-between would be the way to say it, but between or to find out what the, you know, desires of the community are, what the engineers are are interested in working on, what your industry partners are interested in, and you kind of collate that and then kind of create a cohesive plan for focus. Am I understanding that right? So the focus, is, it's really on our part, um, what we're going to do. So since we're separate entities. So we do all that, what you said, and I like how you put that together. Um, but uh, we we can't say, you know, FreeBSD project, we need you to implement blah, blah, blah. We will, but we what we may do is say, we want to fund this project and mm -hmm. we'll uh, set up a request for proposals and say we will fund this if we find the right people to do it. So we, so we do work, I mean, our engineers are all committers within the project and mm -hmm. we're part of the project. You know, we, we, all, we all are part of the FreeBSD community, but we're also separate. And our whole purpose, we're a 501c3, so we're here for the public good. And it's, it's to help make FreeBSD the best operating system out there for whatever use. So I'd be interested if you could kind of explain the distinction between the foundation and the project a little more, because I know a lot of my listeners are, they come from the Linux side and they're very used to effectively the, the governance of, you know, the direction and all that and who deals with partners is kind of the same people who 
are actually working on you know the project itself where as you've been describing on freebsd they're kind of separated a little more into different entities so i'm curious if you could kind of describe the distinct roles there a little bit better okay i usually like to use the linux foundation to uh, use as a comparison because they're so well known and they're so big so the linux foundation is a 501c3 i'm sorry it's a 501 3-6, which is uh, through the IRS is a designation. It's considered a nonprofit, but it's a trade association. So their whole purpose really is to support the businesses using Linux and the other projects that they support. And we are a 501c3. So like I said, so we're a nonprofit also, uh, but we are for the public good. And so we are here to, our whole purpose is to support the FreeBSD project. So the Linux Foundation has all these projects underneath them. They are an umbrella um, organization. So Linux and um, Cloud Native, you know, all these different, the Risk Foundation, they're all under the Linux Foundation. And for us, the FreeBSD project is a totally separate entity. And it's made up of volunteers, but they cannot engage in any type of legal engagement. They can't sign NDAs or um, you know, license agreements, things like that. So we can step in on behalf of the project. So we being the, the foundation, and we mm-hmm. we can um, we can sign agreements on their behalf or NDAs. And so because we're separate, I mean we can't tell them what to do <laughs> it's not you know it's it's not our product to create and produce right um and so we look if if i had an org chart um we would have two boxes on top one would be the foundation and one would be the freebsd project with the core team underneath and all of the other functional teams underneath that and we would be dotted line to all of those those functional teams and the core team. Okay. Can you kind of give me an idea or a walkthrough of what your, not necessarily day-to-day tasks, but kind of like on a, on a weekly or monthly basis, like what are the things that you yourself focus on and do for the foundation in a period of time? So for me, it is more operational and administration. So, or administrative. And so I'm meeting with um, my team members. And so we have a team meeting once a week. And we have a team, I think we have 11 employees around that. Um, folks are located around the world from Alaska to Taiwan. So the time difference, like, I mean, really like any other open source project. So we have some people who are, you know, it's really early, some it's really late. And, but we make it work and everyone joins and it's great. And, um, and we've always worked remotely. So um, we do have an office in Canada and uh, but right now because COVID no one is going to that office but that so that's one way for for us to connect and then I usually have one-on-one meetings with my team members a typical week for me would be keeping Mondays meeting free so I can focus on fundraising and planning so of course this Monday I have a meeting with a STEM person who wants to get involved with us in their um, high school program here in Colorado so that could actually be a great opportunity for the project. Then on Tuesdays, the staff meets in the morning and, well, my morning. We also have a monthly board meeting and that will also happen next week. And 
that gives us an opportunity to update the board on what's been happening in the foundation. And also we try to have like a topic uh, per meeting. And we have, um, or I will have one-on-one -on -one meetings with my team members throughout the week. And it gives us a chance to talk about what they're doing as well as uh, talk about different ideas of what they can do to support their or support the community within their respective areas. And I do check Twitter every day, and it gives me a chance to see what's going on in the open source world, as well as what's going on in FreeBSD. And I really do like to share cool things people are doing within the community. And I do try to reach out to a few commercial users each week and just to check in on with them and see um, you know, what are their challenges, what are they working on. And um, most of the time, I'll throw in an ask to ask if they'll sponsor our work. And finally, I just do a lot of operational administrative type of work. And right now, I'm focusing on updating and writing policies and documenting our philosophies. And I mean, that I would say that could be more of the boring part of my job, but it's really important that we have these things documented because we want the foundation to take care of its employees. And just like we're transparent to the community, to be transparent to our team. And we really want our team members to stay as well as other folks to join our team. But the thing, but in the end is that not only do I want us to support FreeBSD and make sure it succeeds, is I want everyone who works for the foundation to be happy. And I want them to be challenged. And I want them to have interesting work. And I really want them to stay. And if we have an opening, a job opening, I want people to be interested in joining the foundation because of our reputation. Because we are competing with developers who can work at Google and Facebook and Apple. And, um, and it's very difficult to compete with those companies. Then, of course, for non-work stuff, I run four to five times a week and mix in other exercises. Like today is a recovery day for me since I ran 10 miles yesterday. And I take my three dogs out on daily walks. And that's a typical week for me. Now, when you were speaking about funding, the FreeBSD Foundation is funded by both corporate and individual donors, correct? That is correct. Okay, so having such a varied you know, ability to, to fundraise. Obviously, you know, corporations that use FreeBSD have a vested interest in supporting FreeBSD, but you also have a lot, as, as you said, a lot of users and community members that are able to donate. So I, I then hope that FreeBSD has been able to meet its, its funding goals. Is that correct? So we met our goal last year, which was great. We increased our goal for this year. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the year before, we were short by maybe $5,000, so it wasn't that much. And um, and so each year is different. And the hardest thing is that we don't have a steady flow of, of donations coming in. So it's hard to predict how we're going to do. And so we always have to be asking um, individuals, in companies and um, and it's hard because it's companies our contacts of companies they're busy and they're 
Yeah, they're running their own organizations. And so you don't want to bother them. And during COVID, it was really difficult because you didn't know what people were going through. And so I was always really careful. And, but it's one area that we're working on improving. And it used to be that I was the only employee mm-hmm. in the board. And we were all basically engineers. And so it wasn't our background to ask for money. So, um, so, you know, so over time, we've tried to get better. We've, you know, we're trying to learn how to improve. And but the thing is, is when you look down, look at our core values, transparency is one and honesty. I think honesty is one of ours. And it's really being, who we are and and really creating the message of what you know why we need the money how we're going to spend it and since we're transparent with everything we try as best as we can to you know publicize to promote that of of how we're spending the money yeah i've had conversations with friends for many many years and it always seems that we come to the point of admitting that the hardest problem in open source is the funding part. Like the engineering part we can handle when we get time and we can put effort towards it. But the funding thing always seems to be where the weakness is for individual projects. It's really hard. And and I think the hardest part too is the fact that I know what we're doing and I know we're doing good. And everyone on the team works really hard and they're passionate about FreeBSD and the work that they're doing. But to make that visible, you know, it's that's the hardest thing. Because from the outside, they see, oh, the foundation has all this money and they're not spending it or they're not, I don't know how they're spending it. So we do have to spend a lot of time on that. And, um, but, and, and that is really important. And we are focusing this year on that. And, um, but what gets frustrating too are when you know companies are using FreeBSD successfully and making lots of money, and how difficult it is to get money out of them. And so, and it's you know, and it's their choice, and it's the beauty of the license. Uh, and so, but you would just hope that they would be willing to give back just to make sure that we are able to spend the money on you know improving security and the whole health of the eco, yeah, the open source ecosystem. Because we're, even though, you know, FreeBSD is small, uh, we've been around for a really long time. And and still, we like to say, we're, you know, one of the oldest, most, you know, successful, mature open source projects around. And we still have a lot of the same folks that were working on Berkeley Unix on our project. So there's a long history and there are more companies using FreeBSD. It's just that you don't, you don't know it. Yeah. And the other thing that I, I remember hearing FreeBSD people talk about is, you know, it's difficult to get companies that are using FreeBSD to give money back, like you said, because of the license. But there also seems to be a challenge sometimes in just getting them to acknowledge the fact that they're using FreeBSD in the first place. Like, Sony obviously planned to use FreeBSD for the PlayStation for a very long time before that became public information. 
but they didn't they at least they didn't seem to be broadcasting it until then one day somebody else just kind of was like hey they're using freebsd as the os and then everybody's like wait what they are and that would have been a great thing if that had been promoted you know more than just an incidental when somebody happened to find out if that would have been able to actually be used as kind of a pr thing to say hey look freebsd is good it's actually being used in stuff that you love right but when when you look at the you know what what is the product it's a game and that's that's what they're selling so they're not going to have a sticker on it and says freebsd inside so right yeah so for us we would love that right and netflix is a great example of a company that really promotes that and so they use freebsd and they actually give talks and and write papers about their use of FreeBSD and how they get these incredibly high transfer rates. And so, so they, yeah, so they're, so they're really promoting how, you know, if, you know, watch Netflix movies because, you, you know, it's going to be, you're not going to have any downtime or anything like this, right? You know, you're going to have these really high transfer rates and, and it's because of FreeBSD and they, and so they don't have to say that but they do and they say why. And so it's really interesting. Uh, it's really interesting watching the talks. Uh, it's interesting seeing how supportive they are as well as seeing them actually stepping in and helping other companies on using FreeBSD and um, you know, maybe starting, you know, we're using current, we're following HUD and here, here's how you can do it too. So we've seen that and um, so that's that's been great, and um, yeah. So other companies, that's they're you know if you're sitting there playing with the PlayStation, you don't care. It's free. Well, you may care, but you know you you know kid next door, they're not going to care. So I think it's for me. It's sort of the the longer term effects of that because yeah, you know a, a kid who gets a PlayStation for Christmas. They, they want to play their games, but, you know, they're going to get older. They're going to go to university. And, you know, if that knowledge was more outward and more public, not saying, you know, Sony needs to put a big FreeBSD banner on, on the box, but then they could go, hey, I remember how FreeBSD was used on the PlayStation, which I loved using. Maybe maybe I should look into that. Maybe that's something I, that I, I enjoy. For me, it's that kind of PR is kind of a longer term thing. It's not just the short term win of look what we did. But it's the getting people to, you know, correlate something that they enjoyed and that something also used FreeBSD. Well, and that's what, and so we try to promote that. So the so that's one thing the foundation does. So more than half our budget does go to software development, but a big portion of our budget also goes to advocacy. And so we have a couple, we have two marketing folks on our team. And it's not like marketing, like foundation marketing. They are promoting FreeBSD, and so we we go around the world. Whether right now it's just virtually, but giving talks on FreeBSD, and we always talk about you know, these. You don't know it, but you're probably using FreeBSD right now. And so that's sort of the hook, like that we're we're in many places, and there's also this history of FreeBSD in Mac OS and other places. And so 
we promote that as best as we can. And we're trying to get that word out however way we can. So it's usually talks. Uh, we're doing another FreeBSD Friday in a couple of weeks, and that's going to be more directed to students. And we're also trying to get into universities more and working with uh, professors to get FreeBSD into the operating system curriculum, because that's where you're really going to get that sort of embedded in kids. Because when that student starts their own company, they're going to use what they know. So um, so why did Mark Zuckerberg you know, pick Linux for Facebook? That's what he knew from college. What, why did Jan Kuhn pick FreeBSD for WhatsApp? It's because he knew FreeBSD, and um, and you know, and that's a great story. His story is a great story, and so that's why we need students. And you're right, if you know, if if the 11 year old next door knew FreeBSD was in their PlayStation, and then they're in college, and then they're like, oh yeah, that's that FreeBSD that I was using. Would that be great? And so, I mean, we're also looking at how do we get into um, you know, like make some high school programs to introduce kids to computing. I mean, a lot of them know computing, but really introduce them to FreeBSD. And so, um, so that's something that I've been trying to work. We've been trying to work on this for quite a few years now, and we haven't found anything that has really stuck because we haven't had the resources. But since one of my goals this year for the foundation is to get more women into uh, FreeBSD as users or contributors. And so reaching out to college students again, and um, as well as high school students, and, um, and going to more women in computing conferences. We were doing that before the pandemic. And so now we're, um, we're kickstarting that effort again. Yeah, I've talked to uh, Benedict Roeschling, and I know that he's talked about using FreeBSD at the university that he works at. So we just need a hundred more Benedicts to, to join the project and then we'll be, then you'll be good. That'd be sort of scary, but yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so with the project having gone on for as long as it has, and you mentioned, you know, there's some people that work on the project that have been with the project since the beginning. Do you find that there's a difficulty in attracting new developers to the project? So it's, there are a lot of open source projects out there to compete with. And and I, and I believe that most university students, at least in like computer science, are looking for open source projects to contribute to. And getting young people, it's really because everyone hears about Linux. And, um, and so like when I was talking earlier about the curriculum and FreeBSD in the curriculum, if we can do that and then also have maybe ambassadors at the universities or at least be able to give talks at on computing clubs. And, and we've done this in the past to at least uh, give them a high level talk on FreeBSD and why you might want to contribute and get involved with the project. Then that does get younger people interested. And the fact that we moved to Git finally, so we're using more tools that stu students are using, that really helps. And um, and we do have a lot of young folks on the project. And so making that more visible, and actually when I give a talk, we have a graph of ages of committers 
and it goes from um, like I think right now we're at 20 around 20 to you know the late 60s on that it, it's always fun to, to look at that but it really shows that the project it's not only growing but we are bringing on new people and a lot of young people and so they're getting their stories out and um, so others know that yeah this is this was a cool project. Um, one thing I had heard from uh, two university students, this was a few years ago, and they made a comment that they thought FreeBSD was, was cool because it wasn't Linux, because Linux was viewed as you know, industrial. It's it, like how, how Linux used to be compared to Windows. And so, so making sure and so anyway, so I thought that was great. That was a great comment. And it, it did open my eyes to that, that I hadn't looked at it like that. I mean, I guess I do, sort of. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, well, I think in many ways, a lot of people look at the, not just FreeBSD, but all of the, the BSDs open and net as kind of counterculture because, well, everybody's using Linux and you guys are over there just doing your own thing and, and having a blast at it. And there is an element of, okay, what's going on over there that I don't know about? Because they're really enthusiastic about what they're doing. And it would be nice if, if that could kind of be tapped into a little. And that's, so that's another thing that we do try to tap in. So if someone asks me, well, so why should I use FreeBSD over Linux? Which is a great question because everyone's heard of Linux. Everyone's using or playing around with Linux. And you, you find a handful of folks you know, using and playing around with FreeBSD. And... Um, and so I have a whole list that when I give a presentation or when we write articles that will list these things. And and the thing, I, I remember a few years ago, someone asked me, I was like, and so, you know, you're like, well, yeah, what's, what should I say? Because you have all these things in your head that you know why you think it's better. But to me, community stands out and it's the community. And when you pick an open source project, you look at, well, what is the, pro what's the technology they're working on? And Am I interested in that? But the other thing you look at too is the, this community because you're going to be part of it. I mean, you're doing this as a volunteer, you know, most most of the time, and so you're using your free time to work on this. So you want to enjoy it too. And so when I look at the community, and it's you know, is it perfect? No, but it's I feel it's really inclusive. It's welcoming. When you look at the mailing list, you look at the Facebook group for new users, it's people are really helpful. They just want to help. They want to answer your question. Um, and so I see a lot of support there. Is it easy to get it? You know, it's like any other open source project. You have to make the effort too. You have to ask a question. You have to go to the right mailing list or forum or Facebook group or Twitter. But people in the community are willing to step in and help. And when we have conferences, um, you know, when we used to be in person, it was, you know, there was connection there and and almost like family. And it still is right now. I mean, so, you know, when you look at the conversations going on. Yeah. So I've been to MeetBSD and VBSDCon, and they definitely had a completely different feel than the Linux conferences that I've gone to. It was definitely a little smaller, but it was definitely more intimate. Everyone knew each other. And there was a much more kind of welcoming, like if, when they didn't recognize someone, 
it wasn't just like, oh, that's just a random person. I can ignore them. Like there was actually a, a friendliness that I don't see at a lot of the larger Linux conferences just because there's so many people. That's right. And that's a really good point. Yeah. So ours are, are really small or, you know, so maybe around 300. So mm-hmm. so depending on where they are in the U.S., or I mean, I'm sorry, in the world, um, it, they could be like you said, you went to VBSDCon. And when that I think when that first started, there were just. 100 people there maybe that was a really cool conference and <laughs> but they're uh they try to make it so everyone can attend so that's so the registration fee they try to keep it as low as possible um they always try to have it in a place that you can find accommodations at a reasonable price and and it's just down to earth. It's basically you're there to work with others in a comfortable environment to learn from talks and to share what you have with others through talks or just sitting around in a hacker lounge or having dinner together. So uh, so it is more intimate. I have seen uh, new faces and, you know, what happens or do they feel welcomed and part of those and because that's hard because you could look at the community go yeah cut these people here they're so smart and they know all know each other and so so it could be really intimidating uh but what i found is like one at the bsd can conference in ottawa that they actually started a, a new attendee session at the beginning and so and so that was uh, a great way to meet new folks and to give them like sort of, you know, how the conference is run and what you should do and all that kind of stuff. So I think adding things like that really help. But yeah, it'll never in the FreeBSD world, um, it'll never be a, a Linux con. And because it's really geared towards the conferences are so different. I mean, that one is really business oriented. Um, they're nice, you know, they're fun to attend, they're fancy. <laughs> but it's, um, I, I just really like to think of our community as you know, really smart people who are passionate about FreeBSD, who are nice. Yeah, one of the things that I loved was actually, like, personally, I love when I go into a conference or into, you know, a session, and I'm the dumbest one in the room. Because it means no matter what anyone says, it's going to be more than what I know. So I'm going to walk out of the room smarter than when I came into it. And the other thing that I, I loved about the, the FreeBSD conferences that I've been, or the BSD conferences that I've been to, is the fact that everyone is approachable. You know, I you know walked up to Ed Mast and was like, hey, can I pick your brain about a few questions? And he was like, yeah, sure. And then we just had a conversation. Whereas, you know, at the larger tech conferences, at like the Linux cons, you're not just going to stroll up to to Linus and be like, "Hey, can I can I pitch a question to you?" Like that's just not going to happen. No, you're going to line up in a queue and <laughs> to get his autograph. Versus you're at a BSD conference and Kirk McCusick, who is one of the original BSD developers, is there talking to people. He will tell you stories. You can walk up to him and ask questions, and he wants and he wants to talk to you. And um, and so. That's one difference, a big difference that I see. And which is really helpful because we, since we do have these icons still in the community that are approachable, that it is a great way to learn. 
So earlier you had mentioned that one of the things you do with the foundation is, you know, focusing on promoting the things that FreeBSD can do to people. And I'm, I'm curious if they're looking at FreeBSD, are there things that you see the project itself focusing on and improving that really gets you excited for how people are going to be able to use FreeBSD in the future? Well, one thing that I've seen recently is, so I mentioned that we switched to Git. Mm -hmm. So um, modernizing the tools to get, um, to, you know, making things more efficient, using tools that people who, when they're in college, that they're, they're learning to use. So they're, they're already experienced using those tools. That's really helpful. So they're, they're looking at how do they improve the, you know, the workflow, how they make it more efficient for developers. So they're not wasting their time or spending, you know, so much time on builds and things like that, improving the infrastructure. So um, things are quicker and, uh, which is one thing that the foundation helps them with too, is making sure since we have the funds that we give them the funds, we can buy hardware to make improvements. And the fact that, um, you know, we, we have this philosophy, it's a principle of least astonishment, don't make a change, you know, just to make a change. But what, but it doesn't mean, you know, things are great the way they are, let's just keep it that way. So even Kirk, who I mentioned earlier, was really interested in moving the Git. And that's a really good example of someone who's been around for, for a long time. And he's, you know, probably was very comfortable using SVN, but really was open to that that's not where, you know, the world is going. And um, so, so people are, are really open-minded still to make improvements not to do things just to do it. So to, to close this out, if let's say, you know, we have in-person conferences again, we can finally get back to that. And you're at one of the conferences and somebody was to walk up to you and say, I'd, I'd like to get involved. How would you respond to them? What would you tell them? I'd say, that's awesome. And um, what I would do is I'd probably open up my computer and take them to the website and show them where they could get information on, um, you know, learning more about FreeBSD. We have uh, web pages on how to get involved. I would also ask them right away, just what are you interested in? And if I was at a conference then, then I would try to also connect them with someone. So if they're interested in documentation, which I always think is a great way to get started, whether you're a developer or not, because it's just a great way to learn the community, the tools, and just how things work. And um, and so, so I try to make suggestions if they don't know what they want to work on. But if they do share what their interests are, then I would try to connect them with the right people because that's the best place to do it is, I mean, people are there in person. And, um, and the thing is, too, is if those people aren't there or, or I don't know who to connect them with, then I would ask other people and I would introduce this person <laughs> as I went around so that they would start meeting people. And... Uh, feeling more comfortable because then you leave you always leave the conference excited everyone yeah. leaves the conferences really excited i'm sure you did too you have all these great ideas and all this energy and you're like i'm gonna work on this and so then they could carry that with them and then you know hopefully the people they met they'll connect well deb i really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today well thank you i really enjoyed it